Donald Trump is an authoritarian who's going to cancel elections if he wins the presidency. You know, unless his Supreme Court appointees do it first. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Green with Bill Whittle and Scott Ott, and this is Right Angle, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Gentlemen, uh, I love it when I get to watch a narrative being established in the mainstream media. These things just, they, they spring up like mushrooms on the forest floor after a rainstorm. Just everywhere. And the latest, there are actually two of them. Uh, one is in full sprout. The other, I think, is just bubbling up as of this morning and recording this on uh, Tuesday, December 5th. And the first one is this new use of the word authoritarian. And my friend mm. my friend and colleague, Stephen Cruiser, noticed this on Monday. I wrote a column about it over at PJ Media on Monday night. And he writes that in recent days, authoritarian has been popping up more and more in scary stories about Trump. By Monday morning, it was easy to spot in three of the first four MSM items I merely glanced at, and it was heavily implied in the fourth one. And uh, the uh, the Washington Post story uh, used authoritarian in the headline and then said Trump's speech on Saturday, which I don't watch, uh, Trump's speech on Saturday was an effort to turn the tables on rising alarms from Democrats and some Republicans. So, you know, it's bipartisan scariness mm-hmm. that Trump's return to power would imperil mm. free elections and civil liberties. And uh, I'll, ju- I'll just give you one more of the stories. This one, of course, was from the New York Times, which is, you know, the, that's just the fertile ground for lefty narrative growing. Um, said, Mr. Trump's violence and authoritarian rhetoric on the 2024 campaign trail has attracted growing alarm and comparisons to historical fascist dictators. Hilter? Mr. Hilter? Uh, and contemporary <laughs> populist strongman. Um, Bill, let's go to you on this one. Um, it's amazing, even though uh, they supposedly shut down the journalist uh, a decade or more ago, you know, where journalists used to go in their little Google sure. groups thing and plot out the next day's narrative. It's amazing, even though the journalist is dead and buried, that everybody seems to get on the same bandwagon right around the same time, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think that's, you know, I think there's one thing that both sides can agree on, and that is nobody's going to call Joe Biden a strong man. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's a relief for all of us, which, by the way, reminds me of a sentence that PG, that, that PG O'Rourke wrote. It's one of the reasons I became a conservative. He was asked, he, he was constantly asked, what's it feel like to be called a Nazi all the time? And PG said, you know, I don't let it bother me anymore. And the reason I don't let it bother me is because never once in the history of the world has a woman ever fantasized about being ravaged by a man dressed as a liberal. <laughs> and, 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 and that's kind of where you need to go with these kind of outrageous slanders, you know, is you just kind of have to really just own them. Unfortunately for the mainstream media, um, this is not going to be Donald Trump's uh, first presidency should he win uh, the presidency in 2024. So we can, of course, remember all of the uh, internment camps and the and the forced labor exchanges, the lobotomies, and the and the uh, and all of the other atrocities committed against the American people during his first term as president. And honestly, Steve, I really think that these people. I I think the thing about Donald Trump is he is so far outside of any experience that they've ever had that they simply don't know what to do with him. They don't understand that the more they try to demonize him, the more reasonable he seems. I mean, I don't really know how else to put it. When when you have a, a, a former president who was in office for four years and whom I might point out didn't get us involved in any foreign wars, had a booming economy, record employment for blacks and, and, and Hispanics and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah. You can say... 
this kind of thing. If Trump ever gets elected, this is what he'll do. And you might be able to scare some people that way. But once you've got a guy who's actually been in the White House, this whole business about, oh, the camps are coming and, and, and here comes the authoritarianism and here comes the strongman and all the rest of it. Donald Trump, of course, being a, a, a conservative or at least a Republican conservative or whatever the hell that means anymore, he's in favor of many of these totalitarian, authoritarian, strongman ideas like a fully armed population, smaller government, less government regulation, reduction of the police state, uh, 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 holding the uh, the federal police agencies and intelligence agencies to independent review by by elected officials, all the rest of that stuff that that constitutes your your general fascist strongman banana republic, uh, you know, uh, uh, tyrant. So I, I don't know really what to say about it other than the fact that keep going, you know, keep going. I, 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 hope, you, I hope you keep ratcheting up this rhetoric and, and I hope you really start shrieking about re-education camps and people disappearing into the desert and black helicopters, all the rest of this stuff. It's an indication they just don't know how to fight this guy and the reason I don't know how to fight him is because if you look, you certainly can't fight him on his record as president. They keep thinking somehow. Here's the thing, just to wrap it up, Steve. I've, I've watched this for five, six years now. Progressives think that if there's one, if they can just break one more piece of news that's unflattering about Donald Trump, his his support will collapse. As if those of us out there who support Donald Trump are completely unaware of the fact that he tends to be a little narcissistic, a little bit grand. He's got a bit of a mouth. He, he, he's a little thin-skinned on things. This is shocking news. You know, if only his supporters could find out that this is what Donald Trump is really like. We know what Donald Trump is really like. And we know there are many things about Donald Trump that are not appealing. But the thing that's most appealing about Donald Trump is he's not one of you. And, and that's what his appeal is. And that's why they keep making him stronger every time they do one of these so-called tactics. Yeah, the uh, the last batch of polls I just saw had him up six nationally against Biden, and Biden's support is cratered to 38. And, you know, it's really difficult for a president's support to, to go much below 40, because that's that's your bedrock party support mm-hmm. there, and 38 is is not good. Uh, Scott, maybe it's because I read Stephen Cruiser's column on Monday night, cause he, he warned me during the day that it was it was going to be coming up, that this morning when I got to work, that my, my, rate, my, my, my antenna were just a, a little too finely attuned to this, but... Regardless, I did notice another one of these memes, maybe one and a half of these narratives uh, popping up on Tuesday morning, and that is uh, the Moore versus the United States uh, tax case that's going to the Supreme Court this week. And I don't know if you're familiar with the details, but it's it's kind of complicated. But the Supreme Court could, through this case, uh, maybe kind of pre-nullify the idea of establishing a wealth tax, which is a pretty radical idea. Uh, the one that uh, uh, Focahontas wants to do and hasn't been able to get anywhere through a Democratic Senate. So the Democrats really want to get this thing ratified by the Supreme Court so that they can go ahead and and tax your, your IRA and your 401k and all the rest. Oh, they say they'll only tax the super rich, but they said that about the IRS a century ago too. So we, we know how that works. Um, anyway, so the first one I noticed was in Politico, where they ran a uh, an op-ed that warned that three justices appointed by Donald Trump, I mean, ooh, right? It's like, you see Freddy Krueger there, uh, confront a moment of truth on Tuesday with a case that not only threatens our tax system, but our democracy. 
Well, it threatens our tax system. What? Say that again? I, I know, right? You, you had me a tax system. <laughs> and then USA Today. I mean, I, I got my column published this morning, and then I had to do an update on it like 20 minutes after I published it. This, this USA Today column came up that said the Supreme Court's decision could have sweeping implications for how much the government can dip into the earnings of wealthy Americans who can shield those holdings from taxes. Mm. So we've we've got this theme that the Supreme Court is corrupt because Donald Trump put put three justices on there, and we also have this theme that the wealth tax, which has never been done in this country and is a pretty radical idea that Focahontas can't get through a Democrat-controlled Senate, is somehow uh, wealthy Americans shielding their 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 holdings. Um, again, Scott, I'll present you with the same question: Isn't it amazing how these narratives just seem to bubble up from nowhere? Once again. Uh Paging Mr. Hilter, Mr. Adloff Hilter. Um, it's, you know, when you, when you say there's, when a headline says growing alarm, I always think, well, where is like the growing alarm clock? Is there somewhere where there's a constant measure of how alarmed people are about things? It was like we talked about a couple of weeks ago when, uh, when the guy got, uh, somewhat libertarian guy got, um, elected in Argentina, and the headline said, Argentinians bracing themselves Brace for the guy who just won 56% of the vote. <laughs> and uh, so, you know... That was a fun one. It would be... Um, it would be more journalistic of them if they actually based what they were saying, not on their interpretation of the news, but on the facts of the news. And I'm not saying that there aren't some people who are experiencing growing alarm at Adolf Hilter's uh, capabilities, but it's they, they try to make it sound like it's some sort of sweeping zeitgeist that's rolling across the plains like a dust storm just enveloping everything, and, and there's... There's no there there. Um, the um, I'm listening to a book that I've I think I've read twice. I've read it at least once in hardcover, and then I think I've listened to it before. Now I'm listening to it again. Uh, Gordon S. Wood wrote a book called The Creation of the American Republic, and, and it's interesting because now we associate this idea of a wealth tax. Um, simply with the Democratic Party. However, there were a lot of people who called themselves Republicans, a word that did not mean political party at that time, um, who were really concerned about the corruption that that luxurious living brings to a people. And because their example had been Great Britain and in the states of Europe and the monarchies there and the court, the courtiers and all the, that kind of stuff. And they were very concerned in the early days of uh, the American experiment, so to speak, uh, really before the revolution and then after it too, uh, that we would become like them, that we would become these people who were just, you know, soaking in luxury and it would corrupt our morals and therefore we would not be able to govern ourselves uh, because we were all corrupted. Um, you know, this led to uh, ideas like sumptuary laws and, and ways of taxing wealth so, so that there was more of a leveling. So this is not necessarily a new idea and it didn't spring up then either. Um, for many, many years, people have believed that somehow 
you know, uh, it, it, there are two two delusions here. One is if you take the money away from the rich people and give it to the government, life gets better for everybody. And, and two is if you give money to poor people, uh, then they will no longer be poor people. Uh, but, you know, the old saying goes that if you just kind of leveled everybody at the same income this year and said, OK, everybody's going to make $25,000 a year. In five years, the people, most of the people who are rich now would be rich again, and most of the people who are poor now would be poor again. It's not about money. Money is just a measure. It's a measure of your understanding of the activity that it takes to generate money. It's a measure of your industry. It's a measure of your creativity. It's a measure of your willingness to take risk. Um, it's a measure of your willingness to, to endure potential poverty, like devastating poverty in the creation of that business or of that wealth. And so, you know, it's, I, I am not experiencing growing alarm about Mr. Hilter or anybody else. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, you anytime they do a story like that, they think they're winning converts. All they are is uh, doing is continuing to delude the supporters of their way and just stealing the resolve of the people who oppose them. I want to add one thing, Steve, because yeah. a, a little data point came came up to me. Uh, during the 2016 debate, um, there was a uh, memorable moment when um, Hillary Clinton accused Donald Trump of something or other, and Donald Trump talked about some of her admittedly felonious acts, and he said, yeah, because you'd be in jail. And that's all the locker up, locker up, locker up. Well, I noticed that after four years of a Donald Trump presidency, there's no mugshot of Hillary Clinton, but there is a mugshot of Donald Trump after four years of a Biden presidency. Yeah. So we ought to be carefully looking at who's who's using uh, the political muscle of the state in order to turn this country into a banana republic. Yeah, the left projects always. They 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 have to. What's curious, uh, what really grabbed my attention, I guess, maybe I need to write a column about this too, is that the uh, the left's attacks on the Supreme Court, on the legitimacy of the Supreme mm-hmm. Court, have been increasing. And it, I mean, it really started with Robert Bork thirty some odd years ago now. But it's it's been increasing since Trump's term, not just because of you know orange man bad, but because of the six three majority that that Trump's appointments allowed, which resulted in things like overturning Roe versus Wade. And suddenly the Supreme Court, which the left had always loved, because as Bill has pointed yep. out on, on previous episodes, that was the only way they could really get their will done, uh, was was by judicial fiat. And so the idea of a conservative Supreme Court is just anathema to them. And they've been going after Clarence Thomas. The, that USA Today story I quoted called into question uh, Justice Samuel Alito's uh, ability to... Uh, fairly adjudicate on this on this issue and this is part of a process that I've noticed so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a nice little rule of mine a little rule of thumb and you can apply this to wherever you think the narrative might be going next any institution that the left can't control they will try to destroy and if they can't destroy it they will try to smear it and discredit it. So if you can just keep that rule of mind, you'll have a pretty good idea of what's coming next. And, well, it's good to be armed, even if sometimes the ammunition is intellectual. And that is your right angle on that, brought to you by the members of BillWhittle.com. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.